Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 308. And today, we're going to be talking about a topic that a lot of us are nervous about. And well, there's good reason for it. There's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of people touching your products. And what I'm talking about is freight forwarding or shipping by sea, by ocean, by boat, however you want to call it. But really, It lowers the cost of your shipping. Yes, it takes longer, but there's also a lot of moving pieces and uh, there's a lot of things to know about this. So I wanted to bring on an expert, someone who is actually doing this, but also has created a company that helps do this now because when he first started, we're going back before even eBay and then he started on eBay and then he went to Amazon. And uh, after going through that, as far as private labeling products, even back then, he found a need for this or he wanted something better and easier. He felt like he was getting ripped off at times and he didn't know who to trust and just a lot of different moving pieces. And this is what's really scared me about this process. And I've been totally honest about this. I have done very little in this arena and I say very little. I haven't done it personally. Uh, My partner, uh, Dom Sugar now has done that and he's still doing it and he's kind of worked it out through the years. But if you don't have any idea of how this stuff works, it can be very, very very daunting and very scary. And that's why I wanted to have on Ryan Peterson, who is an expert in this. He's actually created something for himself and then turned that into a service. But I'm going to share with you his story of how he even got started private labeling. And we're going all the way back before eBay and, and before Amazon. And then once he started doing it, he, uh, he started to see that this was really a pain point for a lot of people. And he's created a company called Flexport. So you guys may or may not have heard of them. I have mentioned them on the podcast before. I don't get compensated in any way for recommending Flexport, at least as of right now. Uh, But, uh, you know, I just want to be able to connect you with the right people if you want to use this service. Uh, Because here's the deal. What it allows you to do is see the entire process. But more importantly, you need to understand the process. And that's what Ryan also goes through here on this podcast. I wanted him to break it down for us as if we were going to do it ourselves without even using a service and then kind of what his service does to make it easier for us to feel at ease, like be able to also monitor and see where the packages are, who's touching the packages, Um, you know, whether it's custom stuff, whether it's getting it delivered off of the port to whatever next location is uh, is in in line, uh, because there are a lot of different moving pieces. I think we were counting as we were doing this interview, there was like over 10 different touch points, which is kind of crazy. So when you're going by air, which I always recommend in the beginning is, you know, really just letting your supplier know or your manufacturer know that where you want it shipped and they're going to ship it. That's it. It's going to go there. And that's where FedEx or DHL or UPS, they handle all of that stuff. So really excited for you to hear this interview. Uh, Ryan's a really great guy and he's someone that's been in the trenches. So I love that about him. I did want to say that our audio was just okay on his end. You can still hear him and everything, but it was a little muffled at times. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. The content's still really, really good. Uh, But again, Just wanted to kind of let you know. But uh, guys, I'm super excited for you guys to hear this. If you guys want to download the show notes and the transcripts to this episode, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 308. You're probably going to want to do that because there's going to be a lot of great content that he's going to share with us, whether you use a service or not. It's going to help you understand the process. So guys, enjoy this interview with Ryan Peterson. Well, hey, Ryan, thank you so much for hanging out with us today here on the podcast. What's up, man? How you doing? 
I am awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have you. And uh, it's funny. I mean, we're going to dig into uh, you know freight forwarding and and all of that stuff. But uh, you know, I've, I've heard a lot about uh, your company. That's what really what got me uh, to to know who you are. But uh, then I started hearing more about your story and stuff. And I really wanted to dig into that because you're not just someone that started a company for people that want to do freight forwarding, but you've actually done the business, which I kind of you know, I, I like that because you've actually kind of walked the walk a little bit and you kind of fallen into some of those, those pitfalls and stuff. So you can just give us a little bit of a background of, you know, as far as like who you are and kind of where you came from and kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So, well, I'm Ryan Peterson. I'm the founder and CEO of Flexport, which is a freight forwarder. We help companies, uh, a lot of them are Amazon sellers ship products around the world, kind of well, I'm just importing from China, but we've shipped cargo this year from 83 different countries. So helping businesses move freight and get it to where it needs to go. That's our, that's what we do. And our, our mission is really to fix the user experience in global trade. We just think it's way too hard to, to get freight shipped across, across the ocean. So yeah. that's, our, that's where we are. Um, my personal background, you mentioned, yeah, I, I started out on the other side. I was a customer of a freight forwarder for a long time. I used to run a business selling, man, selling all kinds of things on the internet. Um, my favorite one was a, a website called backrubhub.com that I started to sell electronic shiatsu massage chairs. Nice. We had, we, had a, we had like a couple of dozen websites and brands and we sold on eBay. We were early selling on Amazon when they first opened the marketplace back, I, I want to say like early 2000s. Wow. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been in the game a long time and, and started Flexport out of frustration for like, it was just too hard to ship freight. I felt like my business is already hard enough to find good products and figure out how to get people to buy them. But then when I feel like I was getting ripped off by my service providers and um, just kind of struggling to get visibility and control and get honest, transparent pricing. So that the business really came out of that. I didn't know much about freight forwarding when I started it. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I kind of want to, I want to mention something here real quick and I, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit is like, you know, you started a long time ago, right? In in this in this you know e-commerce, you know, using different channels, game, if you will, and you've seen a lot of changes, I'm sure, like in the marketplace, whether it's eBay, Amazon, whatever, Etsy, whatever they are, right? The different platforms, Google, you know, there's all different updates. I'm just curious, like, like when you were going through this whole process, is it, is it, am I wrong in thinking that there's just always been these changes and we've always had to adapt and pivot in our business, or is it? Is that just, am I just thinking like wrong about that? hundred percent. No, no, we were always changing. Um, you, you have to, you have to, your business has to like almost reinvent itself every six months or so. I mean, we're yeah. constantly reinventing ourselves. Like one, one is on the marketing side. I mean, Google, every time they did the update, I remember like the Panda update or whatever yep, it was yep, back yep. then, just like crushed us and we were doing really well and then had to start over almost. Um, and, but also on the product side, like you got, Someone else will come in and have a product that's very similar to yours and selling it for less. You got to keep going out and finding new stuff and reinventing yourself and making sure that you got an edge on on uh, on the product side. Um, and that's why we had so many different brands. It was, it was tough, right? Yeah, it, you know, it it really is. And I, I I always try to ask people that that have been in the game for a while. You know, even before Amazon, I mean, there's just been always these changes. And I always bring up the time that, I mean, I was selling digital products on eBay when they allowed digital products. Uh, and then they made that change where you no longer could sell digital products. And then, you know, I had to adapt and you had to ship a physical item. Well, then I would just ship my digital items on a CD and I got around that. And, you know, a lot of people didn't want to do that, you know. But, you know, there's just always been those changes. So I just like to always, you know, ask people, you know, like, 
is it me or is that normal? Because it's no, it's, it's pretty normal, and you gotta you gotta just get creative. I mean, we one of the things I did was I remember back eBay was a bigger platform for me back. I, th- I feel like I don't know when that lines cross where Amazon just became so much more important than eBay, but mm. back in the late nineties, early two thousand, I felt like eBay was a bigger platform in the market oh, yeah. brand and, and still gaining traction. Um, and and eBay is so review centric, and you can just get destroyed mm. so easily. I mean, Amazon is too, but it's just finding ways to like get people to say nice things about you. Right. Right. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So, all right, cool. So you've been in this game uh, a while. Uh, you're, uh, you're now really, uh, you know, your main focus is helping people that are in this game to be able to, you know, use, uh, you know, or to use yourself as a freight forwarder, but to also make that process simpler and easier. And I know just from hearing from other people before I even got started in this game that, you know, it was a huge challenge. Like, who do you trust? Like some people were freight forwarders and they really were, but they weren't. And then your money'd be tied up and they wouldn't really ship the product and just tons of horror stories. Um, what made you want to, I guess, create your own, your own system for this? Was it because you got burnt? Was it like, what was the reasoning in in creating this thing? It was it was a long lingering sort of festering wound uh, of dealing with freight forwarders. I felt like I was getting ripped off almost every time, um, especially when you're really small. You just don't have any leverage, and you don't have the knowledge and resources of a big company that, mm. where you've got professionals and seasoned people who know how to call BS. And the freight forwarding industry is one. If you look at it and you know, like the fundamental dynamics and what freight forwarding is, it's worth it's worth saying that it's, it's really about this coordination function of helping freight move around the world. We, we don't own the trucks and the planes and the ships. Um, and it turns out nobody owns planes, trucks, and ships. They tend to own one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the role of the forwarder is you need door-to-door freight. You don't just need to go from port to port, but you need to get it from the factory to your warehouse, right? And so yeah. the forwarder's job is to kind of coordinate all that. Well, today, in the, you know, in every other forwarder in the world, it works with guys on the phone just calling you know, call the trucker in China, then call the ocean carrier, then call the trucker in the U.S. and call the customs brokers and, and just coordinate all this and so much complexity. So I felt like, well, obviously there's a role for software here to organize things, right? Mm. Which documents do I need when? Kind of TurboTax style, make it a little simpler for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and But the pain was that these things matter. The dollar amounts are really high and all the forwarders, there's not a lot of differentiation. I mean, you're talking about a real commodity like generic talk about a commodity, right? It's like moving from a box from here to there. Like right. if anyway, as long as the box gets delivered, you don't, it's everybody's the same kind yeah. of, um, in, in the traditional way of doing business. And so in that world, what you get is competition tends to just go to price. Mm-hmm. And there's always someone willing to undercut you on price to like land you as a customer to land that customer. And then hopefully like extort, extract, profit from them on the next shipment or the one after that or the one after that. Mm -hmm. And so you have what ends up happening is the forwarders, because they're just making money as a pure middleman and they kind of like to obfuscate things and hide the reality and, and, uh, you know, I don't want to say lie, but put, make it really confusing. Your invoices are hard to understand. They're giving you prices where you then have to go do your own calculations later to figure out what the actual plan to charge you. And then there's all these hidden fees at the end, you know, and, uh, the one that really got me and there was a moment that I don't know that this was the moment I didn't start flexport right after this, but this is the one that always burned me the most about forwarding was, it's just this thing called demurrage and which hopefully,
hopefully none of the people in the audience have dealt with, but I know you have. Mm. Um, and that's when, when you when you ship something, when you import something through an ocean port, especially, you have one week to get it out of the port. Mm-hmm. That means you got to have all your documents lined up. You have to have paid everybody in the chain. Everybody needs to sign off like, yeah, the forwarder's been paid, the factory's been paid. Okay, you can now release these goods. Mm. And if you don't do it within a week, they start charging you like $200 per day per pallet. Just Man. obscene rate. Right? And, and then, and if you can't pay it because you don't have enough money, you're now in a death spiral. Like mm-hmm. you're just like, Oh my God, I don't have enough money. So therefore I'm racking up more charges and going deeper in the hole. Um, so I had, I had a sort of an incident like that where we thought we'd be able to pre-sale all this product and use the money from the pre-sales to pay the factory. Oh, and, wow. uh, and get uh, we were just like classic hustling style on the internet. Right. And it uh, didn't work out. And, and I'm having to borrow money from my mom, but I, I felt like I was getting hosed by the people. Like, why are you charging me two hundred dollars a pallet day? Yeah, like, no, I can store it for a month for twenty bucks. Right, right. Wow, wow. So, okay, that's a that's a big one. You know, I mean, and you know, I guess that's what's really always uh, you know for me personally. But there's you know a lot of people that I that I work with and that I help. You know, the the freight forwarding is just really it's a mystery to a lot of people, and that's why you want to try to find a freight forwarder that can kind of handle all that stuff. I'm mean, talking, you know, the documentation. Like I said, if one thing is out of line, you know, it screws everything up. It's kind of like the general contractor. It's like you can't get the next job done until the one job gets done before it, and it holds everybody mm-hmm. up. And then, like you're saying, now you're holding your inventory, you know, on this dock that you're going to be paying these, you know, crazy amounts of money. And you just kind of feel like you're, you're held hostage there because how else are you going to get it out of there? Um, so how can people avoid that? Like, what would you say? Like if you were talking to your younger self and said like, listen, watch out for this. And this is what you're going to do to not let that happen. Like, what would you say? Like, what would you advise? Uh, well, I think education is probably always the answer. Um, really understanding what the process is, what you're getting into. And that's Mm. not like, one of the things we really try to do is just like be more transparent than everybody else in the yeah. industry. Where just making money off in transparency. If you're the one that's like trustworthy and has some integrity, I think we can stand out a little bit there. Yeah, um, oh, I agree. But uh, but from the from the customer standpoint, it's really understanding like what what's going to be needed. Make sure that you're really getting door to door, or you know at least you're able to figure out what the door to door cost is. Mm-hmm. A lot of if you're buying freight, especially if you're letting your factory do the freight, there they're going to show you this rate and it's like, okay, to Oakland and here's the price or to LA, wherever you're, whatever port you're going through. And you get the price. You're like, okay, cool. LA is right down the street. I'll just right, drive over there in the U-Haul and pick the stuff up. Right. But what you don't realize is that they didn't include like a whole bunch of fees at destination, you know, customs clearance and the port terminal fee and get there's a fees to get it out of the security fees. And there's all these other fees that, that, that are, you're going to have to pay. They're inevitable, but you want to make sure, you know, and, and the, the, the best thing to do is make sure you one shop around, like get quotes from different people and make sure as you do that, that you're really comparing apples to apples Mm. and that, you know, you see this one price and it seems really low, but it's only port to port and it doesn't include all the other stuff that needs to happen to get the goods out. Um, That's probably the best thing I can say in general, buying from your factory is not a good, buying freight from your factory is not a good proposition. It's fine in the beginning when you're small and it can be really easy and and convenient. Um, And you, and they might have more scale than you. So it's possible to get better prices than you would. Uh, but you, you have a problem there. Your forwarder has a really nice role to play in these transactions when you're buying from an overseas factory. They can sort of be the bad cop. Okay. You know, and, and, and you're dealing with the factory and the factory's going to be late. A lot of times, you know this, right? And like, they're going to, they're going to kind of tell you things that might not be fully 
through sort of a very artful presentation of the truth, let's say. Uh, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and so, and, the, and, and, and if the factory is arranging the freight, they always can just blame the freight forwarder and go, Oh yeah, we have it done, but the forwarder didn't show up. Yeah. 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 And, and like if the forwarder works for the factory, you're not even in touch with them. You can't verify this. Like, so the forwarder can have, it has a nice role to play in like helping to put a little pressure on your factories be like, yeah, the factory, the goods are not ready. Like I know you're, they're telling you that they're ready, but like we just called them and offered to send a truck and they're not ready. Mm. Uh, and and so having that sort of like third party involved in the transaction that can come in and like put a little, you know, help get your back and be an objective like uh, third party is very useful. Um, and so, and, and in general, like if the, if the factory is arranging the freight, you might not find out there's a problem because they're just saying, okay, it'll be in Los Angeles in, in five weeks mm-hmm. or in eight, weeks, whatever. And you don't find out about the problem until, Hey, it's eight weeks down the road and the goods haven't shown up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Whereas if, if you were coordinating with the forwarder, you would find out four weeks earlier, right? When the goods were supposed to have left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's some, there's a few like good tactical reasons in addition to just being able to have more visibility control over all your, all, over all your products. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and again, I think it comes down to, and we've always talked about this. It's like having a good relationship with your manufacturer, but then also again, having a good relationship with a freight forwarder, if that's what you're going to do rather than doing all the legwork yourself. So maybe what you can do though, is lead us down the path. Like, like what does it look like to get a box from, or a pallet from, you know, let's say China over to Amazon? Like, what is that? I mean, I know, but I want you to kind of go through like those steps logistically that will have to happen in order to make it go smoothly. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's worth stepping back and realizing that difference between a freight forwarder and like a parcel player such as FedEx or. Yes. 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 Um, and it, and the biggest difference is that with parcels, which really it's just a matter of the product being small, you know, like a little box, um, is that in the small parcel world, the goods never leave FedEx or UPS's control. Like mm. it's their employees picking it up, taking it to the air, you know, their, their truck comes, goes to their warehouse, puts it on their plane, mirror image on the other side. And it's, it's in their network from door to door. And therefore you get all that nice tracking. You get those sort of milestones, you log in and, and they have mobile apps these days. It's pretty good. I mean, it's yeah. a expensive service. It doesn't work for importing in bulk from China, but it, it, you see that the user experience is pretty good. In, in the freight forwarding world, there's no company that's big enough that has the trucks on the ground in China, thousands of them that has thousands of trucks in the U S plus owns planes and owns ships. Like there's Mm -hmm. no company that big. So the forwarder's job is to coordinate it across multiple companies networks. So you're good. The reason that tracking is hard and forwarding is like, there's not one company that has one system to scan the barcodes and upload it to one place. Right. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, so that process starts with, getting the goods out of the factory. So figuring out when is the cargo going to be ready to be picked up, making mm-hmm. sure that you have ex- export licenses. This is a common mistake for, for people exporting and buying from China is they see the price in China and they, they buy and they don't realize that that factory doesn't have an export license. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to go find some third party to use their license to export under. Mm. And that becomes a real problem if your product has batteries or any kind of hazmat stuff where they, the, the third parties just don't want to take it because whoever's the exporter is taking liability. Right, that. right, right. Um, you know, batteries can start fires, as, as we've seen. And um, and so it becomes very hard. All of a sudden, you've bought this product, you've paid for it, and you can't get it out of China. So that's like one potential pitfall. Um, but let's say you've got export license lined up. You've got all the documentation you need. You're going to go, we're going to arrange a truck from the factory to the port 
or the airport, mm-hmm. load it, get it loaded, cleared out of export customs. Again, that's part of that export license process. Yep. How many companies am I at so far that are in this chain? Well, one is the factory, then the trucking company. Maybe there's an export license, so that's three. A customs broker is four. We're going to probably put it in a warehouse. Uh, if you're just shipping a couple of pallets of goods, mm-hmm. uh, we call this less than container load, yeah. LCL. Yep. Um, then we're going to bring it to a warehouse and consolidate it with other customers who are shipping goods, right? And put you guys all in the same container. Sure. So that's another company that's going to be in the chain. Then put it on a ship. So we're now at like six companies. We haven't even crossed the ocean yet. <laughs> right. Where the ships can arrive. If it's into the United States, in Flexport's case, we're, like, we're a customs broker, so we'll clear it through customs ourselves. But sometimes you have a forwarder and customs broker that are separate. Mm-hmm. And the customs broker clears. So that's like seven, eight companies. A warehouse, again, to deconsolidate it, right? To, to then take the six different customers that are in that container and split their cargo. Then you need trucking from there to an FBA facility. Usually, Amazon has the best rates for that. To right. Just use, their, use the rates for the, these a lot with EPS and other couriers. Um, so you're at like nine, ten companies, and it's a, you know. So you can see the complexity. You can see the role of the forwarder is like, well, wow, it's a lot of complexity to take on if you're going to try to do that yourself and maintain relationships with truckers in China, warehouses. I mean, it's, it's not it's not reasonable. So you do you do want you're going to use a freight forwarder. Um, if your factory arranges, that's fine, but they're still using a freight forwarder to coordinate all that. Um, and, and a lot can go wrong. There's a lot of handoffs in the old world. Like all these handoffs are done. It's almost like a relay race with mm-hmm. pieces of paper. Okay. Your turn, dude, like take the, take the cargo to the next destination, um, and pieces of paper and just phone calls. So our, our, the way that Flexport's a little bit different is that we, we structure each of those as sort of a little micro marketplace where we have p- preferred providers on each leg of that shipment okay and very closely with them we can track those goods from door to door in real time using satellites um much better transparent pricing etc so there's our goal is like no surprises we're not always gonna be the cheapest but we just don't want there to be surprises right so really just so i understand this but a freight forwarder a freight forwarder in reality is supposed to be the one that can take care of all of those eight, nine, 10, 12 companies to try to bring it all together. Gives you a single throat. To yes. Joke, as yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Relationship. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you got it's someone extremely valuable. Like I don't think of freight forwarders. It's just pure middlemen. Like mm. that's a lot of value that you're creating and coordinating all that complexity. And oh yeah. And you know, it's not just like buy low, sell high. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and, I mean, from, from your experience, like, you know, you're still going to be, and I'm just asking you this too, but from your experience, depending on how much you're ordering, what you're ordering, I guess would also come into it, you know, you're going to save money on the shipping. So you are going to pay a little bit for the freight forwarder, but in the same breath, you're probably still going to save uh, a lot compared to if you did it by air. Well, uh, no, you still need freight forwarding in air as well, right? Air versus uh, air and ocean both. Because, again, you need door-to-door, right? Like, just getting it to the airport's not enough. It's got to clear customs. It's got to get delivered by a truck, et cetera. So I, I really think you, you're going to need a freight forwarder um, if if the product's heavy. Like, if it's under, you know, samples that can go in the, in the FedEx network or in DHL where it's, you know, 100 kilograms or something, then then you ship with one of these guys and they'll just do it for you door to door. Right, right. Uh, but otherwise, you really do. You, you, you Big heavy stuff is going to get coordinated by a freight forwarder. Right. And I, I guess that that's what I'm saying. If you can, if you're shipping it by FedEx or uh, even, you know, uh, 
what's a DHL. Um, and like you're saying, if it's lighter and smaller, then that's different because they are handling everything. They are initially your freight forwarder in a sense because they're handling everything. Everything, totally. Everything's going through their system. Um, I mean, I've done that and I've had, you know, packages, uh, you know, that arrive in three days, you know what I mean? DHL, you know, so yeah. it can totally happen, but it is going to cost you more for without a doubt. It costs a lot. It costs, it costs a lot more. And, and it always blows my mind. Like air freight takes five, six days. It's like, wait a minute, why is it taking so long? Like the plane yeah. only takes 15 hours. What yeah. is the other five days of nonsense? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not saying we fixed that, but that's one thing that we're constantly working on is like, Hey, how do we cut down cycle times and make sure that mm. paperwork gets processed, customs gets cleared faster. And, um, the whole point of air freight is to get there the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're, you're, if you're paying more, you want to get it there. And I, I know a lot of people that have uh, done it where, you know, just cause they want to get in a hurry, they might do a part of their load by air and then the rest of it they'll do by sea. Um, so this way here they can save, you know, the money on the back end, but they want to get product to market as soon as possible. Um, so what, okay. So, and I, and I want to go through like Flexpore and kind of how, how you've kind of streamlined this process and kind of how now you can look at the process in a dashboard, which I think is kind of cool. But before we jump into that, like maybe let's just for anyone that is like just getting started in maybe freight forwarding, maybe not just getting started in, you know, the selling online stuff, but as far as like their first order that they're getting ready to do, like what is one thing that you think that people, uh, they're not aware of that, gets them hung up like the one thing that they could prevent by you saying like listen make sure you do this or you could pay a huge penalty or or get I, hung up i think that the simplest one is your um, understanding the terms of your transaction we, the, the industry jargon is called inco terms mm -hmm. um, okay this is this is a this is where when you're buying something you almost by definition have this change in title like at some point you own the goods instead of the factory mm. And, and there's this body of law, um, I think it's original maritime law, but it's where does that transaction takes place? Mm -hmm. So when you, this is where you see FOB yes. versus X works versus DDP. So uh, uh, let me go over what those things are. Yeah, so would you? Works, yeah, that'd be great. X works is when you're buying and it means that the transaction takes place at the factory. And so from the factory in China, wherever in the world, it's your responsibility from there on the buy, as the buyer to mm -hmm. get the rest of the delivery is up to you. Okay. And then what, uh, then you have FOB, which I think we've, we've all heard this term. It's free, uh, free on board. And that means that the good, the transaction, the change in title takes place the moment the goods are loaded on the ship and cleared out of export customs. Okay. And then you have, um, and there's a few other terms, but the, the key ones are going to be those two plus uh, CIF, uh, that's cost of insurance and freight. And what that is means that the terms where the transaction takes place, where the title is transferred from the factory to you is at delivery. It means that you CIF, right? Like it includes the cost of the goods plus insurance plus freight. So you're paying for it all to the factory. So then the factory is responsible for the freight and it's going to deliver it to you. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And, and so it's very important to understand when you're buying something, what, what, what have you actually bought? Right. I mean, right. if I'm buying X works, then I definitely have to pay for all this freight in addition. Whereas mm. if I buy CIF, cool, it's included. Right. Um, and it matters a lot, especially with the FOB versus X works distinction. This is a mistake that we see people make somewhat commonly. We, we highly, highly recommend to everybody. And I, I, I say we, I personally, as, some, as someone who's done importing uh, a lot is to, to do FOB terms when you mm -hmm. buy goods. Okay. And the reason that is, is because now it's up to the factory to clear export customs. 
Okay. And if they can't do it, you don't pay for anything. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Whereas if it's X works, you've paid for it. And this is that problem I was talking about earlier, where all of a sudden it's on you to figure out how to get these kids out of China. And like, yeah. Like sports, we can do that for you. We can help. But like sometimes maybe their goods haven't been certified mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, like they haven't passed some tests and drop tests for batteries to make sure that they're not going to start a fire. There's certain things. And like make this, make that the seller's responsibility. You don't want to have to take that on. Um, by buying at X works from the factory. No, I, I like that. Um, that's a, that's a huge nugget actually for anyone listening. Uh, it's, it's to, to me, that's like life or death. It could be, I mean, as far as like, I mean, I'm being extreme, but as far no, as like, I mean, we've seen, we've seen companies that have, have come close to death because of making this mistake. Where it's yeah. Like, oh my goodness. We need for all this stuff and we can't get it out of China. What are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yeah, no, that would be crazy. And uh, and here you're thinking to yourself like, yeah, everything's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden you have to figure out how you're going to get something tested to pass so you can get it out of the country. But if you're doing FOB, it's basically their responsibility and you feel a little bit of protection there that at least my product has been passed and cleared so I can actually get it shipped. Yeah, big time. Cool. And, and um, so and that, that's just a, uh, that, that's a very important thing to know. Then now CIF has its own problems. Um, CIF is where the factory is going to pay for freight to door. And I meant, I, mean, I went over that a little bit earlier where it's like, well, you want to have more transparency. You want to know when there's a problem in advance. Yeah. But also CIF does not include it just to the port in the U S. Oh, okay. It doesn't include the customs clearance and then the trucking to your warehouse. So you got to make sure that you're, uh, know what you're paying for and don't get hit with an extra thousand bucks at the end that you weren't counting on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that's so good I, I, that would be my number one piece of advice. Just really understand these terms of like when you're buying something, like what are the implications and how do they apply to freight, to the export, you know, the customs process and all of that. So the big one though, is if you can get FOB, that would be the one. I would get FOB and FOB at the port of origin. Yes. You know, FOB Shanghai or whatever, FOB Shenzhen, those are probably the most common ones. And, okay. and just make sure, you know, factories are happy to do that. Just make sure you tell them it's FOB. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's a good one. Okay. So, uh, we'll definitely, guys, listen, we're going to, we're going to put all this stuff in the show notes, transcripts and all that stuff. So you guys can, uh, can definitely grab this stuff, which I think you're going to want to, because this is pretty, uh, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, okay. Now let's take people through Flexport. Like what did you create? Like, and again, uh, I know why you created it now, but maybe you can lead us through the user experience of, as far as like, if I was good to go in brand new and wanted to get started in this, what, what is, uh, what's that kind of look like? Well, I think the, I'm glad you said user experience. I mean, it, I think that was our original mission here. We didn't know that much about, I knew the problems from having experienced them, but sure. I didn't have all the solutions. There was sort of, and I did, I'd never worked in freight forwarding business before, but I knew that if we just focused on the customer and make this focus on making it easier for people. We could create a lot of value. Um, the original idea was something similar to TurboTax, I think. Like, let's make some workflows, make this easier. Have it, Okay, these documents are needed. Tell me what they are, where to get them. Like, allow me to upload them, keep track of them. Um, a lot of times you reuse the same document again, uh, but it, why start from scratch, right? If they're right. all stored in the same place and we can, okay. Um, so save people a lot of time on workflow, make it simpler. Um, we've really grown and evolved the idea a lot since then. We've learned so much. I'm like so proud of like the team, just how much we've learned about the industry from coming in, I think with a healthy amount of naivete in the beginning mm-hmm. saying like, okay, now we pretty much understand the fundamentals, why all these problems have come about. Some of the things I'd explained to you earlier around this complex coordination across multiple modes of transit. I didn't know any of that stuff before. I just knew like, man, I'm, I don't like the service I get from these companies. Right. Right. Um, so we've started to build tools for all those legs of, on the supply side to connect in with all these partners. So we've got apps like that. Um, 
that all of our partners can log into our truck brokerages that we work with to come in and get loads and, and uh, dispatch truckers, for example. Um, we do integrations with airlines and ocean carriers, so that gives us real-time tracking. Um, and so as a customer, you're able to log in, see all your stuff on a map. That's one thing that people really like to get some peace of mind. Um, we've been told by a couple of companies that they now are able to do pre-sales when they never could before where, because they, they're able to see on the map, like, okay, the ship's right there. I see it right off the coast. It'll be here. I've got this arrival date of when it'll actually get here. I can see it. So therefore I can go update my website and be like, yeah, ships in two weeks. Mm. Um, whereas before they would just be like out of stock and lose that sale. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so, that's huge. And then, and then giving people a big part of what, one of the insights that led to Flexport was realizing that there's all this data in your supply chain, right? Every single commercial invoice, every packing list, this is really interesting information for you as business owner. What have I shipped? Mm. What did it cost me? Where did it come from? Where did it go? What modes of transit? And what are, what are the factors that affect this? What's the seasonality to it? Does it go, the price go way up? And as a customs broker, you've got to give all, the, you as an importer have to give all this data to, to U.S. customs mm-hmm. and, and whatever country you're shipping to. Customs needs to see what's the price of the goods that you paid for. Sure. And how many, you know, what are the attributes of those goods? So we as a customs broker have to pick the, collect that data and structure it and give it to customs. Mm-hmm. Every other freight border just keys it and every other customs worker just takes that data to keys it into us customs system gets the clearance and, and moves and like prints the file and puts it in the file cabinet and it's pretty silly right it's like wait, wait we're doing all this work to do the data entry why don't we put it into a database mm. and give it back to the customer in useful ways yeah yeah so, you know it's like and of course we can't we'd never share that data it's super private it'd be illegal for us to share it it's your data but we can give it back to you and say okay here's what you've shipped and like for every product every SKU that you ship what is my landed cost? Mm. Like the full cost from the factory, the price of the, the goods plus the freight plus the customs, right? We have all this data for you so we can show it to you and help you understand if I ship it by air, what's my price? By ocean, what's the price? If I ship it to the East Coast, how is that different than to the West Coast? And like, you know, you can learn all these things and help make better decisions. Um, and, and so ultimately, this is where I say like, in a, in a commodity business, which I Flexport is very much in a commodity business. We sell freight. And I think some of you guys are probably in commodity businesses. Other people sell similar products in, in, in some cases. You, you really have to focus on how do I differentiate? How do I sell on value that I create for my customer? Because if you just sell on price, like there's always someone willing to go a little bit cheaper. Of course. Of course. And, and so selling on price is a very dangerous proposition. Um, so we say, okay, let's, how can we add value, create lots of value? So one of them is data, one of them is peace of mind, this pre-sales thing, like giving you more visibility, control, uh, helping you make better decisions. These are, these are ways that we can sell on value and say, like, okay, like we're gonna, our goal is always to be the cheapest, but we're not, we're not always going to be. But right, if, we're right. competitive, if we're competitive and then our user experience and our, the, the value that we create is, is greater than our competitors, then then it becomes at some point irrational not to use this as long as we're just as good at delivering the goods on time and in full, right? Um, so, um, yeah, it's, you know, just generally, I think it's good modern software just can make the world, can make these complex transactions simpler. So like, okay, so, and let's, let's just kind of go through that real quick though. So, uh, I go ahead and, uh, and I, I have a, an order that's lined up and it's ready to go FOB. And now I just go into Flexport in my account and then I can just, there's a place to just start. And then that leads me through to what I need to do next is I'm just trying to gather for the listener yeah. how that would be. Yeah. So we create workflows to make it pretty simple and, and straightforward. Um, one of the, one of the interesting things here is 
Now, the first time you ship something, our process might actually take a little bit longer because we're going to structure all the data. We're going to we're going to upload all the product attributes, and okay. we don't, you don't have to do more work. We do this for you. But we're going to upload all the product attributes. What's the HS code mm-hmm. of that product? Yep. Okay. What's the um, the weights, the dimensions, all these things. So in the very first setup process, it takes a little bit longer. But then the next time you ship the product, it's like click a button. Okay, I'm going to ship this many units. Boom, move it. Gotcha. Um, okay. And so that's where the automation really comes in. Is like cool after every time. And then and now you've got this product catalog. We've got all your products here. Here are the SKUs. If you ever doc compliance information, if you ever need um, to, you know, country of origin document for this product, it's cool. It's all stored right there. Gotcha. Um, so okay. the next time down the road, when you try to clear it, you're not like digging through hundreds of emails to be like, hey, what was that thing? I can't remember. Right. Um, right. Okay. To try and structure and like a lot of, and we're not just a pure self serve software solution. I mean, there is uh, it is really nice software. It can be self serve, but it's a managed service. So there's a team backing it up. You can communicate with us. Like we, we call us anytime. Instant messaging inside the system. Um, email is email is just a nightmare. Um, you've got 50 people on an email thread, and sometimes in these great conversations, you're like, "What is it? What, too many emails, right?" It's like, yeah, let's bring yeah. it all in place and and then hold people accountable. And make sure they do the say this the things they said they were going to do. Yeah, no, that's great. And you know, I mean, I've heard a lot of people, um, and again, it's, it's funny. It's the reason that I'm actually talking to you is because someone on your team um, had either listened to the podcast or heard of the podcast and said, you know, oh, we'd, we'd really love to to get Ryan on and kind of talk about that because you've had some experience in the e-commerce world, but also, uh, also, you know, been hearing that I've been mentioning Flexport because I have, because I've been hearing really good things, um, you know, from, from listeners, from my students, like, and, uh, and I'm, you know, just obviously if I'm, if if it's something I believe in, then I'm going to go out there and share it. And, uh, and now it's just kind of come full circle where I get to talk to the guy that's actually the founder and creator. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool how things happen. Um, that way, man, I was, um, this weekend went skiing and I hang out with, uh, five people that we went. And two of them are listeners to the podcast. So oh, cool. it's pretty awesome also for me to get on here. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I just love it how, you know, for, for me personally, it's about those connections and the networking and figuring out how to build out your own, you know, your own little support network. And and this is a huge part of a support network because if you're, if you're able to get this part done, I'm talking about like freight forwarding and bringing your costs done down and then your margins go up, but then you have a trusted source and here we are talking to the guy that created this thing. I mean, what better, you know, I guess what, what better way to, to validate that, uh, you know, there, there's a good service out there, um, is to really just kind of go to the source and it's kind of sometimes hard to do that. So I'm just so glad that you came on and shared your story, uh, you know, with people. And I, I'm sure you have a ton more war stories, which we may have to have you back on for those. But, you know, I, I just I, I want to say thank you for coming on and sharing some of this expertise. I think the FOB thing for people, that was one nugget. I think people should really write that one down um, because some people might not know that. Um, I, I know that because I've just learned that through the whole process and I've done my research. But some people will just skip over that, and then you, you get a phone call or you get a, an email that says, "Hey, you got to get this stuff approved, or you ain't gonna leave China." That's a big deal. Um, yeah. So, is there any? And the whole industry is set up with like acronyms like that and just weird terms. And 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 my, my one of my hypotheses here is that they do it on purpose because then if you ask about it, they're like, "Oh, this person's a novice. Let's let's you know let's rip them off." Whereas if you're like, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, you just call you just call them out." 
Yeah. Like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Let's give him a discount. Like, I, I really think there's a lot of that. There too. could like, be. So you, They're very well. You got to do your homework and like ask, often asking your freight forwarder is not the best way to, although they know the answer, like you're now signaling, yeah. you're sending the wrong signal to the guy. So it's, yeah. uh, you got you to, you know, take your education in your own hands. No, no, I, I agree. I, a, I agree with that a hundred percent. Sometimes you don't want to seem like you're, you're, uh, you're a newbie, uh, even yeah. though you may be, but and you, there's tons of resources out there. I mean, the podcast is one of them, but there's many others out there. Just do a little bit of research and understand the the language and the terminology I think is a huge thing. Um, is there any last little bits of advice you, uh, you'd like to, uh, to discuss here or even just that you wanted to mention before we wrap this up? Well, I just think that uh, Amazon sellers and e-commerce merchants have just a really hard job and, and on a, on a number of different fronts and so dealing with China. I lived in China for two years with been to dozens of factories and deal, doing with that, especially if you don't speak Chinese, you not, you don't have like good cultural ties to the, to that world. It's tough and, and really hard. And then you have this hard problem. How do I compete in a very crowded marketplace mm. where the internet is open to everybody, everybody in the world can come on and compete now. And it's sure. awesome, but it's competitive. Yep. And so you've got these like two bookends of really hard problems to solve. And that, and I don't know, I mean, I mad respect and I worked hard in that business and I, I wouldn't say I had like shining success. I did a little bit of good work. As a, as a buyer and seller, but really hard. And then we just feel like in the middle part of like getting the goods from that factory to that customer should be easy, right? Like that's mm-hmm. our goal and our mission. Um, we, we, we're definitely not done. We're working every day to get better, but that's, that's where we come at it. Um, as far as advice, like I, I always point back to like my, my own career. Like I didn't for a long time. I mean, one year, it was already 10 years ago, but I was, I worked my butt off doing importing from China and selling on the internet. I made $14,000 and I was working hard. Like I was trying my best to make mm. money and that was not, not a lot of income to take home. Right. And, and, and yet like I stuck with it. And I think like, part of it is you don't want to stick with things that aren't working. You got to be honest with yourself, but you also you got to realize that success can really compound and build on itself. So like little successes because you have them sometimes enable the next success or maybe it's like you, because you got enough revenue, you attract the employee that helps you take it to the next level. Or, um, you know, hopefully some of you guys are able to raise some money someday from investors. And because you get that investor money, because you had enough success to get the investor money, now you have enough money to hire that person who makes it. So it's like, you can really have these compound functions and success where success compounds on itself. And, um, and so really look for that and, and be aware that sometimes it feels like you're not being successful, but you gotta stay at it. Yeah, no, I, I I love that because uh, you know we're we're recording this around the time of the 300th episode going live, and uh, this won't be airing till after, but I'm recording it at that time. Congrats, man! I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Like on the uh, on iTunes. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And you know that whole 300th episode was I had someone interview me and kind of going back through exactly what you just said, like all of those things that led up to where I am now. Like I wouldn't be speaking to you right now if I hadn't done those three things before I started the podcast, maybe, you know, it's just like, have you looked, I'd love to see a graph of like number of listeners by episode, like within the first week or whatever of its, of its release and just see like the growth of your, of your audience. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, you know, it, it, it started, you know, relatively quickly, but 
you know, for podcasters, because generally people start podcasts and then they, they might start, you get a hundred listeners here and there, and then it starts to grow 500, you know, and I think right out of the gate, we started with about 500 listeners, but that's because I was helping people also, you know, within Facebook groups and stuff. And I was, I was kind of starting to help before I was even thinking about a podcast. So I already had people that were interested in what I had to say, but yeah, it, it would be interesting to kind of go back and, and see that. But I just love to go back to my story of when in, in your story, it's like, you know, you got to where you are today to do Flexport because of the things you did in the past that help you get the skills or the connections to help you do Flexport. I mean, if you yeah. just looked at it, you everyone has that, right? Everybody has a, a skill set um, that they've built because of something else that they've done or lessons that they've learned. Um, and it's just people think that, uh, you know, they're going to go out there, start a business and it's going to be successful. And the chances yeah. are it's probably and, not going to be, you know. The other thing, chances are it's not going to be, but you're going to learn more than anything else you can do. Totally. And, and the interesting thing is you, you learn about parts of the world and running one of these businesses that, that other people don't see. So like your friends are like, oh, I'm going to do this app. Like, but they're, they don't get exposure to the same, they get exposure to the same ideas as everybody else. Like right. uh, food delivery. Or, right, right, right. Uh, you know, like the plane tickets is too hard to book. And so everyone builds the same things. And like, actually as a, as a buyer, as a seller, doing participating in global trade, buying things overseas, selling you, you just like see problems that other people don't even see and learn about. That's true. I mean, that, that was our story. Like, Oh wow. I learned about this weird arcane part of freight forwarding. Like no tech entrepreneurs were thinking about that. Because right. They never tried it. They never got involved in it. So I also really encourage people to be like, yeah, I know you're working on your business and working in it every day, but like, look around, like, what are the problems that your business is facing? And like, maybe one of those is even better than your actual business. And like, <laughs> like, totally. And if it just keeps, and if it just keeps nagging you and yeah. like, no one's fixing it, like at some point you're like, hmm, maybe even though it sounds impossible, I don't know what the solution is. Like, maybe if I go at this from the perspective of focus on my customer, how do I create value? How do I find people who are suffering the same problem and fix it for them? Like you can make a really good business. Well, so, and that's um, what happened to you basically, right? Yeah. I mean, if you never yeah, did yeah, the yeah. importing and exporting and stuff, you never would have had that problem that made you aware of Flexport, right? Exactly. No, hundred percent. That's yeah. my story. So yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it, it's just crazy how things happen. And I just want people to understand. I know that we're talking about freight forwarding here with you, but really I just like to always pull that back in because most people, I'd say 95, 98% of people, they're, they're out there and they've gotten to where they are. And people look at that as, well, they got lucky. Right. But it's not to me luck. It's that you created opportunity because of the things that you did beforehand that led up to where you are. Um, it's just the way it works. And like you're saying, problems are, are a huge, uh, a huge thing for a lot of businesses. And that might be the thing that you'll be, you know, be able to build upon. And, and just you just never know where you're going to go. And connections, I think, are also another big thing, you know, learning uh, you know, about other people, but then also connecting and helping other people. Um, and then you just never know where those, you know, could turn into a partnership. Who knows, you know? But uh, yeah. now this is awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on, Ryan. And uh, I would uh, I'd love to may maybe get you back on and we can kind of hear a little bit more about, uh, well, a little bit more of your story, but also maybe some uh, some things that you've either discovered through, uh, you know, working with all these other businesses stuff. But maybe we get you back on and uh, do an update. But I just want to say yeah, thanks. Come on. Yeah, come on anytime. And I will also be really down. Like, I know you guys do a lot of Facebook and question and answer and stuff. So we could maybe do a session like that, too. And just oh, that'd be great. Questions. From the audience again, participatory. Yeah, maybe we could do like a Facebook Live or something, and, and and get you on, and we can we can field some questions. That would be great because I know it's a big topic, and we can definitely do that. That'd be awesome. Well, hey man, I'm gonna let you roll. I know you've got a company to run, so uh, why don't uh, why don't you let people know uh, just uh, how they can get a hold of you, and uh, and then we can go ahead and wrap this up. Yeah, cool. Well, so uh, just uh, come on and 
come on to flexport.com and our main email is just hello at flexport.com. You can find me on Twitter too. My handle is types fast. Uh, don't challenge me to a typing contest. I don't actually type that fast. Uh, and, um, and yeah, I'd love to, love, to, love to be in touch with all you guys. And good luck out there. Yeah, that okay, that, that'd be awesome. And guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to link everything up to the show notes, um, transcripts and uh, links and all that stuff. So I'll put that there for you guys as well. So again, Ryan, I just want to say thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch, bud. Okay, awesome. Thanks, guys. Really cool. All right. So there you have it. Another great conversation. I mean, we learned about freight forwarding. But the other cool thing that we learned is all about Ryan's story. And I, I'm just so interested in that. And that's why I decided to record episode 300, to be honest with you. I wanted you to see my journey and kind of like all of these different points of, of uh, you know, different light bulb moments or where this happened and then that allowed that to happen. And it's just interesting. And someone look at Flexport and go, oh, they're a pretty big company right now. Like, you know, who's the guy that started it? Well, there's the guy that started it and exactly how and why he started it and and how he's helping people now. And it's just, it's just crazy on how all that stuff works. So I never intended on this interview to go down that path, but I'm so glad it did because anytime I get an opportunity to do that, I do it. And hopefully you guys are cool with that because I just love listening to people's stories and seeing where they came from and how they got to where they are today. So uh, guys, that's it. That's pretty much going to wrap up this episode. Uh, the show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 308. You'll have the transcripts, the show notes, any links there. I'll link up to Flexport for you as well. Like I said, no pressure. You don't have to use them, uh, but definitely check them out. Uh, the last time I was going to mention them, they weren't even accepting new clients yet. So uh, definitely go check them out. See what they're all about. You know, Ask Ryan some questions if you have any. Uh, again, I don't get compensated as of right now uh, for this. Uh, I know they don't even have an affiliate program in place, but maybe in the future. And uh, you know, right now I'm doing it really because I want you guys to have a great resource. And that's what I really believe that Flexport is. So just want to say thank you guys for being listeners. Thank you for taking me on the run, in the plane, on the train, wherever you are. I just want to say I appreciate each and every one of you, and hopefully you're getting massive value from these episodes that I'm publishing. All right, guys, so that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you, and I am rooting for you, but you have to. You have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. If you don't know what to say next, you got to go back and listen to some more episodes. What do you got to do? You got to take Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode.